a good afternoon and welcome to ProtoLab's Q&A session. So my name is Sarah and I'll be your host again for today. And once again, I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, Rich Anthony. Hi, Rich. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Great. So today, Rich will be answering your questions on family tooling. So, Rich, for our listeners that may not have uh, made it to your last session on LSR, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, yep, yeah, sure. Yep, yeah. I'm uh, Richard Anthony. I'm a senior application engineer at Protolabs. So, basically, what that means is I um, help our customers out um, and our um, account managers um, looking at um, designs to try and um, uh, adjust their design to make them feasible with our particular manufacturing processes. So lots of our processes are, are streamlined to be able to allow for very fast lead times. And sometimes that means um, something that's possible with a traditional manufacturing process needs to be tweaked slightly. So a lot of what I'm doing is just working with customers with their designs um, to get them to a, a manufacturing point with Protolabs, but also making sure they, they still function as they need to. So that's what I'm doing. Brilliant. Okay. And uh, we've had some great questions again submitted uh, by everybody. So uh, are you ready to jump straight in? Yeah, absolutely. Great. So if we could start off then just by asking you, Richard, if you could just explain to us what is meant by the term family tooling? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, by family tooling, basically what we're, what we're describing is um, an injection molding tool. But instead of that mold tool, just molding one part, it's molding um, multiple parts. That could be two, could be three, potentially more. Um, but for family tooling, those are distinct parts. So all of those parts are different. So each part, each time that tool is injection molded, it has an injection molding cycle. We're molding multiple parts rather than just a single part. Um, it's also worth noting that there's a slight difference between family tooling and multi-cavity tools. Um, mm -hmm. So within uh, our standard injection molding quotes, one of the first options at the top is to select the number of cavities, um, to select a multi-cavity tool. What that is, is selecting multiples of the, an identical part in the mold tool. So that would be a way of you molding you know, one or two uh, two or four potentially of the exactly the same parts a multi-cavity but what we're talking about today is is family tooling where those parts are all different so it's a way of uh, uh, molding parts lots of different parts uh, on a shorter lead time potentially great okay so are there any other recognized terms in within the industry that that we use for family tooling um yeah i mean with, with lots of the terms used within the injection molding process there's usually one or more or two or more terms to describe the same thing so when we're talking about family tooling here we can also use the term branch tooling or branch model and within the the protolab world we we're generally referring to them as branch tools or branch models that's our own sort of internal terminology and that's the terminology we use on our quote essentially what we're talking about are the same things a branch tool is is a same as a family tool. The reason we're using that terminology is, is the way we um, handle CAD files when we're um, doing a family tool is we'll join those two CAD files together uh, with a runner system, so a, a, the branch in the middle. So when we're working with the files within our quoting software and also when we're designing the tool, we're working with a single CAD file. Those two parts have been combined into one CAD file, so we're working with one, and we call that the branch model. So it's a, a branch tooling. So that's probably when we continue talking today, I'll be referring to it as a branch model. But equally, I could be calling it a family tool. Fantastic. Thanks for that. OK, so we've got a question here that's been submitted by Tom F. 
And Tom's asking, why and when should I consider family mortals? Yep, yep. Obviously a really good question. I mean, there's there's lots of benefits for having a, a branch tool. Obviously, that's the reason we're having this this discussion now to talk about it. There's also a few drawbacks that need to be considered. But if I just concentrate on the, the benefits to start with, I mean, the, the main one is because we're molding multiple parts at the same time. So within each injection molding cycle, we're molding multiple parts. That means that production times are faster, but it also means that piece part prices are, are lower as well. So generally, it can be an advantage when you're, you know you're going to need higher quantities of a part. You can get a, a family tool. Um, that family tool, because it's a larger mold tool, might be slightly uh, higher cost, but the piece part prices are lower and you can get higher quantities of parts faster because we're molding multiple parts for every shot. Um, but having said that, with the, with the mold tool cost, um, generally, if you with a family tool, you've got two distinct parts. Let's say you're molding two distinct parts. Um, if you are having those molds as individual, those parts as individual molds, Nine times out of 10 or probably more, the branch tool of those two combined would be a lower cost than having two separate molds. So actually, you're even saving money on the, the cost of the mold as well as the piece part price. Um, but just to, to highlight some of the, the drawbacks that would need to be considered, mm -hmm. um, it's um, if you receive the parts um, and you find that you need to make some sort of modification to the design of the part for whatever reason you've tested it, maybe the parts don't quite go together as you'd intended, you, you need to do a modification. Um, we can offer modifications with our mould tooling and, and generally a, a modification that requires metal to be removed from the mould is normally quite easy. But any, any change that requires us adding metal back into the mould, that's a little bit more challenging and, and quite often that would probably need us to make a new half of the mold tool so replace the half of the mold tool that's affected by the modification and, and keep the existing half to make a new mold tool now if you imagine if we're working with a branch tool that yeah. branch tool is slightly larger so that half of the mold tool that we're replacing is larger so it has a uh, it's more costly to replace and also it might take a little bit longer to get replaced when you're comparing it to single cavity tool so those are things to bear in mind you might be saving money initially but if you need to do a modification sort of later down the line it might be slightly harder or slightly more costly and these are all things that need to sort of be factored in when you're deciding whether or not to go with a branch model brilliant that's great advice thanks rich okay so moving on to a question from eric and will my part design be limited is what eric's asking um, yeah, no, that's a good question. And it, I suppose it kind of links to that previous question when we're talking about when when a branch tool is suitable. So a branch tool isn't going to be suitable for in every single situation. I mean, just because you know you're going to need two parts um, in the same quantities when you're using them doesn't necessarily mean that the best route is to put them in the same mold tool to create a branch tool. Um, so, I mean, things to consider is with, with our style of branch tool, um, when we're we're moulding the parts, we're not using any kind of turn gates or anything like that. So when we're injecting the material into the mould, that plastic is going to flow into both cavities. So say it's a branch tool with two cavities in it, the plastic is going to flow into both of those cavities at the same rate. So what we need is both of those cavities to be um, the same size and the same volume. So the parts that are being moulded need to be virtually the same size, essentially. Um, so when we're injecting the material in, that plastic fills both those cavities at the same rate, because what we want to avoid is having one small part and one large part. So when the plastic flows in, we fill the small part really quickly, 
but then we have to carry on injecting material into the mould to fill the larger cavity. Because the, the effect that will have is we'll be overpacking the small cavity, which could lead to flash potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and we might not be able to pack out the larger cavity enough, which could lead to things like sink or dimensional issues. It, it could end up being undersized. Um, so in terms of part design, um, probably what you need to think about is um, our branch tools are really most suited um, if you've got a um, two mirror imaged parts, two, two parts that are mirrors of one another. So, for example, like a left and right hand or a, a top and bottom. If you've got a, a clam clamshell case, those two halves, they're probably a good fit for our branch models because they're both going to be virtually the same size and volume. So that means they're going to fill at the same rate. Um, anything different from that, um, you know, say you've got something that's more like, um, I don't know, like a lunchbox where the box of it is large, but the lid of it is thin. Mm-hmm. Those two, even though you'd probably want to, to have those in the same uh, ratio when you're molding them, you'd always need one box and one lid. Um, you probably you wouldn't want to put them in a branch tool with us because the difference in volumes and the difference in the shape. They you wouldn't be able to mold both parts probably to the required quality because they'd both be compromising one another. Um, so they're the main things to to think about. Um, but we'll always provide feedback on in terms of the. Um, the design for manufacturer feedback. So if if we do have a concern, if you do ask us to to combine two parts in a batch model and we do have concerns, then obviously we can communicate um, that back to you. And it might be that you can adjust the design slightly to allow for it. Um, Mm -hmm. And we, we can work with you for that. Brilliant. Thanks. I hope that answers your question, Eric. Okay, so we're going to move on now to a question from Austin. So what is the maximum part size um, Austin can expect? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean that's a little bit of a, a difficult one to answer in terms of giving an exact figure, an exact size, um, because the a little bit like our standard single cavity, it does depend on the geometry of the part, how many side actions are required, where that gate needs to go. If the gate needs to go in a sp- specific place, it might mean that that cavity has to be positioned in a certain place within the mold, which means we can't go, we can't completely fill that mold. Um, so there's lots of factors that need to be considered. So um, we'll always assess it on a case by case rather than giving a, an absolute figure. But what I would say in terms of a, a sort of a quick cheat, if you like, if you want to review it um before you're, you start talking to us, is if you've had a quote for um, a single cavity part, say you're you're getting a left and right hand parts quoted, they're both mirror images of one another or, or virtually identical. Um, if you look at the, the quote we've given you for that individual part, um, in that first drop down menu at the top is telling you the number of cavities that we can do in the mold. So if you hit that drop down and it gives you multiple options, so yeah, if it gives you one cavity, that'll be the default. But if it gives you two cavities, that's telling you that you, we can fit two of those parts, two identical parts in the mould. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good kind of indication that probably if we can do two identical cavities, we should be able to do um, a left and right if they're virtually the same size. So that's a good little cheat to, to look initially uh, at whether um, two parts are going to be suitable for branch tooling. Now, there's a little bit more than needs to be considered on top of that, but that's when you'd sort of ask us about it and we can review it. Um, but if you're looking at a quote and you hit that drop down menu for the cavities and, and nothing appears and one is the only option, that's probably a good indication. If we can't fit two of two identical parts in the mould, we're probably unlikely to be able to fit two very slightly different um, parts in the mould. So probably a, a branch tool wouldn't be possible in that situation. 
Brilliant. Well, that's great advice. Thanks, Rich. Okay, so we're going to move on then quickly to um, a question from Florence. Uh, does my choice of material impact this? Um, yes, yeah, it, it potentially can do. Um, I mean, material choice will, will affect uh, how parts mould in general, whether it's a, a branch tool or whether it's a single cavity, is always something that needs to be considered. Um, but if you consider that a, a, a branch tool is effectively two two parts combined together into to, into one larger, slightly more complex part, um, that can that can mean that 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 slightly larger, more complex part is slightly more challenging to mould. Um, so it might mean that some materials are less suited than others. Uh, it might be if you moulded the individual part in, a, in its own mould, you might be able to get away with one material because it's a smaller cavity, but then combining it with another part in a larger mould, it then becomes uh, much more challenging to mould and then we might encounter issues um, with the moulding process. So generally speaking, if, if a material's got... Um, uh, a low melt flow rate, so it's it's quite stiff uh, when you're moulding with it, when it's molten, that might be more challenging to mould in a, in a branch tool. Um, so materials that maybe have uh, a high glass content, high glass fibre content, um, they might be more challenging just because it's it's more difficult to push that, that those kinds of materials through the mould. And also materials that require a high mould temperature they sometimes can be more challenging as well. Um, but for, for the majority of the materials, the more uh, everyday materials, if you like, um, that are easier to work with, then probably there won't be any impact um, using them with a branch tool compared to a single cavity mould. Great. Okay, then. So we've got a question here from Marcel. So will flow? Yeah, I, I guess we've kind of... Um, covered that a little bit with my the previous question about material. So I guess with flow, he's talking about the material flowing through the mould. So as we were just discussing, because the family tools are a little bit larger and more complex, that material has to potentially flow further. It's got a longer flow path through the mould. Um, so that can mean it's, it's harder to mould as we were just discussing. So um, we, we do model in the, the, those branches between the tools, the runners. So we're, we're optimising that to make sure we're getting, when we inject the material into the mould, we're getting that plastic to the gates to enter the cavities of the parts um, in the most optimal way. Um, but there's nothing getting away from the fact that there's there are two cavities, maybe even more than that in the branch model. So um, it's a more complex uh, injection moulding process. So it, it can make things a little bit harder. Um, so it's it's, those are the sort of things we're, we're considering when we're, we're looking at whether a branch model is feasible. Great. Wonderful. Well, I'm afraid, Richard, believe it or not, we've only got time for one final question. And that has come from uh, Rich. <laughs> and Rich is asking, can I expect the same quality? Um, I think the... The, the short answer is, is is yes to that. Although we've just been talking about the materials and the, how moulding a larger family tool can be slightly more challenging. Those challenges can lead to um, lower levels of quality. So having a more complicated mould can affect quality. But generally speaking, um, quality levels, when you compare it, a single cavity to a branch model, are going to be pretty consistent. Um, what we do when we're quoting the part, because we're combining those two CAD files together into a single 
um, CAD file with that that branch model CAD file. That's what we're analysing when we're using our um, our analysing software to look at the part to look at its suitability. So um, we're not analysing two separate parts. We're analysing that combination of parts together. So that feedback that we provide in the quote um, is in relation to moulding that more complex combination. So that the feedback in the quote will highlight if we feel there's any potential concerns um, that could lead to to, to lower levels of quality. Um, so I'd always look at the, the feedback in the quote um, because sometimes the feedback we give you for an individual part might be different to the feedback we give you mm-hmm. for a branch model because it's there's a, a different slightly different molding process involved. Um, so it's always worth considering. But generally, if we did have any concerns, they get communicated um, when we're analysing the part and providing that DFM. So if 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 that um, did create uh, potentially any issues, we could then have a discussion about what potentially you could do with the design to to alleviate those. Um, but just on a slightly more positive note, um, sometimes the branch model actually can lead to, to higher levels of quality. And what I'm thinking about is um, colour. So um, when we're moulding parts in a specific colour, um, we, we have two ways of doing that, using a pre-compounded material where the, the granules that we're tipping into the injection moulding press are the required colour. But the other option is a master batch route where we're adding a, a certain percentage of um, concentrated colour granules into the base material. And then we're pouring that into the injection moulding press. And as that all melts down, those um, concentrated colour granules colour the base material to the required colour. So that's a really good way of getting coloured parts um, quickly and in um, low cost. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it does have some associated risks, uh, particularly with, with colour matching. So if you imagine I, we did that mixing process with the, the coloured granules in one press and then we did the same on a different press and we were moulding two different mould tools, there's the chance that th- those two shades of colour might come out slightly different just because of the way they've mixed in the press. We don't have full control over it. So there is the risk of slight colour variations. But if you're moulding two parts that say a left and right hand part but they're in the same mold in the same press because we're using that same batch of material um, there's a good chance that you'll get um, those two left and right hand parts will come out the same color because at least they'll be consistent to one another so you're you're potentially reducing some of the risks associated with master batching if you're if you're using two uh, having two parts in the same mold rather than having two separate molding processes going on that could potentially have introduced some some variation with the colour. Um, so that's, that can be a really good thing to consider, particularly if um, you're wanting to avoid the time or the expense of using a pre-compounded material, but you still need parts, you know, a left and right hand part that go together and need to look the same colour. So that can be a, an advantage. Well, that's wonderful. Well, Rich, I'm I'm afraid that we've run out of time again, um, uh, but I'm sure 100% you'll be back soon to answer more of our listeners' questions. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. So thank you to everybody who got involved and sent in some great questions today. And of course, Richard, thank you so much for being our expert. It's it's quite all right. Absolutely fine. Great. So remember, if you have a question you'd like to ask one of our experts, please drop them over to our dedicated email address, which is protolabsqa at protolabs.co.uk or use hashtag protolabsqa on social media. So finally, I'd like to tell you some of the other resources available on the website. So pop on over to protolabs.co.uk and you'll find some great case studies, technical papers, and also the Protolabs Insight video and podcast series. 
Also, don't forget to join us for the next QA session. So look out on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram for our call out for questions and get involved. But for now, have a great afternoon. Take care and keep safe.